cover, Lord God, that your hand is upon them and that your favor, Lord, will overshadow them as we put our faith and our trust in you. And everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated tonight. Thank you, worship team. Aren't these guys beautiful? Amen. Aren't you thankful for their call and ministry? I want you to take your Bibles with you and go to 2 Kings, the second chapter, as we're going to continue in our faith life study. 2 Kings, the second chapter. We're going to start there in just a moment. I've got a couple of announcements I want to share with you. Uh, nominations will stay open until this Sunday. So any voting members, if you want to make nominations, be sure to do that uh, tonight or, or Sunday. It will be the last time they close the nominations. Uh, also, Bibles and Burgers are going to meet uh, Saturday. They're going to be at Jaylee Park this month, and uh, that's going to be from noon to 3. And so you want the best burger in town, want to come out and minister, just show up over there and uh, and enjoy. Uh, we'll thank you for the, the sass, savvy. What was I trying to say? I don't know. I was trying to say sassy sisters, but maybe we've got one or two of those. With the savvy sisterhood, our ministry to single mothers, uh, they are going to meet uh, this Sunday, uh, the 22nd at 1 p.m., and then the ladies are going to the Pink Conference on the 24th. You can find the information in the foyer, or you can uh, click on the QR code, and that will take you to the to the website for the information for that conference. I want you to look at Second Kings, the second chapter, and I just want to I just want to encourage you tonight. I want to provoke your faith a little bit as we study faith. It is my earnest belief, and the Lord is galvanizing this in me, speaking this me daily, that we are a part of a big, much bigger plan. We are a part of a much bigger plan than we even imagine. That we are called to further the kingdom of God. We are called to expand Eden, to multiply on the face of the earth and take the kingdom of God and infuse it in every kingdom on the face of the earth. Amen? So, just food for thought. Father, we ask you for the anointing of your spirit, crushes yokes, open eyes, causes, Lord God, the lame to walk, the deaf to hear, brings a refreshing and, and, and Lord God, a, an encouragement. Father, I'm asking, Lord, for your anointing tonight to minister the truth of your word as you want us to hear. Everybody said amen. Second Kings, the second chapter, faith life. says, And it came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elijah from Gilgal. And Elisha said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. And they went down to Bethel. Now the sons of the prophets were at Bethel and came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you not know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Jericho. And he said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. Now as we look at this, and just a quick recap on the faith life, maybe some of you are just now tuning in, but we began in looking at what the demonstration of faith through the life of Elisha, 
and see how that he started out with faithfulness. He was in the field plowing, and we see that he was an all-in. I, I can't preach it any other way. I, I just believe we've got to be all-in. I, I, don't, I don't believe in a half-hearted commitment. I don't believe in a lukewarm existence. I don't believe in a living in the mundane when we're called to the miraculous. I do not believe that God has less in store for us. I believe he has more, and I want that more. But most of all, I want him, and I don't want to half-heartedly approach this, nor do I want to preach it that way. Now, some people may scoot in by the skin of their teeth. I don't want to be that crowd, amen? I want to be so far ahead as us as a body of Christ, so far ahead of the crowd. They're like, we're, we're running while people are dragging in, amen? Now, as we started here, we see there's a transition about to take place. Uh, Elijah is going to ascend to heaven. The prophets around in the school of prophets, they, they know that. The spirit of prophecy, when he goes out, and the, the message begins to, to land here and there in one church. And it seems like everywhere you look around, those that are attuned to the spirit, they start hearing the same thing. It's, an, it's an exciting, exciting time. Knowledge of the Lord is increasing more and more and more because God's preparing us. But what we see in the process, we we see the different locations that Elijah keeps us seem to be wanting to leave Elijah. I need to just stay here, please, please, just stay here. Maybe it's more please stay here. But I, I think that Elijah was more. said, no, I'm, I'm going where you're going. But I do see that according to biblical reference that those locations have spiritual implications. And Gilgal was the city where the first place or the first stop as they cross, Israel crossed over Jordan. Gilgal means the rolling off of the reproach of all your past. It is a reframing of who you are. That you're not a sinner saved by grace. You are a saint born into the body of Christ. And you are righteous because of what he has done. You are the righteousness of God. You're, the, you're in Christ. You are a royal priesthood, a holy individual. You are called forth to show forth the praises of God. You, he called you out of darkness into light. If you're still living in darkness, we need to ask the question and invite you to come on into the light. Amen? And so Gilgal is a reframing of who we are and what we've left behind and where we're going. Now, last week we talked about Bethel, and we're going to continue with Bethel as we go into Jericho. But last week we, we found out that Bethel is a revelation that Jacob received, and he declared that this is the house of God, this is the gate of heaven. This is the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. I won't recap the whole story, but we understand in Genesis when Jacob was coming out and he, he laid his head upon a rock in, a, in, in, in the night in the middle of the wilderness or the, in the middle of the city, uh, the place that he was at called Luz originally. We see that he had a dream, and in that dream he saw the angels ascending and descending upon the ladder. And the Lord standing above them, speaking down to him. 
And he said, if you want to matter, if you made commitment to the Lord and God made commitment to him, he, he awoke from that, from that dream and he said, that night vision that he had, he said, oh God, this is, this is the house, this is the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. He was talking about the physical location where he was at. But we see the New Testament revelation of that. And Paul said, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the house of God. We are the gate of heaven. Jesus told the one that was before him as he did a miracle through him. He said, before you think you're going to see, you're going to see angels of heaven and descending upon the Son of Man. What was he making reference to? He was making reference to what that Hebrew understand that that was Jacob's ladder, which was not Jacob's ladder. That was Jesus, and it was the revelation of the house of God being the gate of heaven. And he speaks about that now. But see, we, we found out that the gate of heaven in the garden was closed because of sin. Access to heaven was now denied. Cherubim stood and they guarded with a flaming sword and would not allow back into the Garden of Eden. Then we see that God did not give up on humanity, but he created a, a noble Eden. And if you look at Hebrew scholars over and over and over again, they, they carry on this theme, and that is the theme of the Eden Project, of, of the carrying on of Eden. So God created, because Eden is considered the dwelling place, the sanctuary, a holy place where God dwelt. It wasn't just where man dwelt, it's where God dwelt on earth with man. And so the door was closed, cherubim blocked that entryway, you couldn't get back in there. But the Lord said, I'm not giving up on humanity, oh no. So he created the, the tabernacle, the temple, and there was limited access to heaven. God was setting up a structure. But then we see that wasn't by accident, it wasn't just a decorative thought, it wasn't trendy or fashionable to weave in the cherubims inside that veil. It was a message to the story of redemption of humanity. And just like the cherubims were guarding the Garden of Eden, the cherubims were guarding, though there was access, there was limited access into the holies of holies. Only with blood could they enter. And for 1,500 years, they kept the same repetitive motions of every year, the high priest crawling under the veil to get in to make atonement for a nation. They had limited access to the cross. And the Bible tells us that those cherubims that guarded the holies of holies, that the veil was torn from to you and I, heaven is now open to visitors. Amen? That, that, that sign in the window is now open. It's open. But see, how do we get there? we got to understand what the true mercy seat is. See, we had the two angels there on the Ark of the Covenant, the 
Corinthians, he didn't send any people there to study it. But the Ark of the Covenant is a representation of something. And there we have two cherubims that are facing each other. That's so bold because that's where I'm going to meet you. At the blood-stained mercy seat, that's where I'll meet you. I will meet you where the blood meets that place of intersection. You will understand one day that that is the very place. That Ark of the Covenant of the Old Testament was a type and a foreshadowing of what we see in that garden tomb. Because the Bible tells us that when they approached the tomb, at the grave. Are you getting it? It's at the grave. When I commit and submit my life wholly to God, it's then and only then that I can walk out of my grave and the door to heaven has been opened because it's not my life anymore, it's His. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And now I, I show forth the, the, the fruits of His His work and His labor by me resting in what He has done. So heaven is the, what we see is that the gate of heaven, it's a, it's an access, an access. I want to, I want to step a little further. I want to step a little further here and just talk about the access for just a few more minutes before we get into the other aspects of the gate and the gate of the city. See, a gate is an intersection. Don, I don't know what's going on with this. Would you agree with me that a gate is an access, an access to heaven? It's an intersection between what is outside and what is inside. It's a, it's, it's a passing through. For you and I, when we think about the, being the gate of heaven, we live in a natural world. Natural world is a world we can see, taste, touch, feel. We have the sensory perception of the world we live in. But the Lord, but the message that Jacob shows us here in Bethel is that it is the gate. We are the gate of heaven. So we are the intersection between the seen and the unseen. Come on, let's think about it. The place where the unseen enters the scene. See, Elisha, church of the living God, church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to get this, and we've got to stay there until we get it, amen? Because we're called to go to Jericho to tear down the strongholds of the enemy, but we've got to understand the source of our power and who it is that lives on the inside of us. devil has no power outside of God. 
He's got no power outside of humanity. He's got to have access to this world. He can't do anything without human interaction. He's got to have you in order to accomplish what it is he wants to accomplish. He's got to have somebody, not you, I'm hoping not you, praise God, not me. But you hear what I'm saying? Hum- he, he has to, to have access into this realm of the scene. He's got to have a physical body. You know why this aggravates the enemy? Because he can't do that by himself. Why do you think he aggravates humanity so much? It's because he wants control so he can have access to this realm called the scene. So, there is a distinction between the regenerated and the ungenerated. The erased, the lost and the saved. People that are redeemed by the blood and those that are unredeemed. Those that are in covenant and those that are not in covenant. See, when we're born into this world, we're the entry place for one realm outside of the scene. Because of our nature. Because of our nature. See, the enemy infiltrates our minds, our thoughts, our spirit, and the evil that's brought forth is invoked by the devil, but it's brought forth through our choice. It was Satan that put into Judas into his heart, the Bible says. It was Satan who put into the heart of Judas so that he would go and betray the Lord. It was Peter that asked Ananias and Sapphira, said, why, why did you allow Satan to, to, to bring deception to the Holy Spirit? Put it in your heart first. And then when that heart is, they open the gate to it, and in opening of the gate of it, now the behavior comes forth by the accomplishment of the partnership of their will with the will of the enemy. And now evil is brought forth. Thus, Judas and Ananias and Sapphira became gates to hell. Some say that you're Elijah, but where's the prophet? Well, what do you say? Because what I, I believe he was the son of God. He the Messiah, son of the living God. He's the flesh and blood like God. He's different. God has come flesh. He says that my father, he is the son. He revealed this to him. And so when and he, he said, upon this rock, upon this knowledge and knowing that I am the Messiah, the son of God, he said, I'm going to build my house. I'm going to build my ecclesia. I'm going to build my governance. I'm going to build my, my people that gather around, and they're going to come, and they're going to govern. There, there's going to be a governance that takes place. And in, in doing so, uh, he said, I'm going to give you the keys uh, to heaven, and I'm going to give you the keys uh, that you can, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Wherever it's loosed on earth uh, will be loosed in heaven. In other words, I'm giving you the keys to the unseen. And you can open the door or you can close the door. You can close the door of the devil, and you can open the door of heaven. 
You can tell uh, what the unseen realm and what they want to do, uh, what they're trying to do through you. See, I don't, this is not a cult uh, of, so that I can step in and tell you what you should do or couldn't do or would do. I don't have that kind of authority over your life. All I can do is influence you and tell you what the Word says. All I'm here is a messenger to tell you what the Word says. And hopefully the Holy Spirit is backing up what I'm saying. But I'm not making your choices for you, nor would I want to. But all of my good choices cannot outrun, outdo, outsow all of your bad choices. All I can do is give you the information and see if you will apply the information and give you the information again and see if you will apply the information. And this is the information I want you to hear tonight. You are the gate of heaven, but you can also be the gate of hell. born-again child of God, right? Can you be saved, born-again, found your way to heaven, and still have a sin addiction? Come on. Happens all of the time. What is happening? You are allowing through your choices, you're allowing yourself to be a an entry point for the enemy into your life. Amen? And it manifests itself in destruction. Is that too hard? I've been talking long enough, haven't I? Hear me. We can be a gate of heaven or we can be a gate of hell. Who does the devil use? The same one God uses. And if we begin to understand that, that it's not a nature issue. We have been born again. We have the nature of God. We now have access to heaven through that nature. And hopefully that nature is influencing you, telling you what you should do or shouldn't do, telling you how you can live a victorious life. But let me tell you, just as deadly as pornography is bitterness. You ever heard two born-again children of God gossiping about someone else? What are they doing? I've never heard that in my whole life. Don't stop me now. I just feel so comfortable. See, we got to understand we're going to have a near heaven or not near hell. Think about that. Think about that. You will have a choice. The regenerated children of God, you are called to be the gate of hell. You are called to be a part of something much bigger than yourself. The body of Christ is a purpose and a mission on earth, and that is to further the earth. And that is to extend the boundaries of Eden, the habitation of God, to express the glory of God, to open your, your mouth in worship and release the anointing of the Spirit of God as He blows through you, as He blows through your vocal cords. It's more than just a, a good singer. It's an anointed men and women of God standing up and opening their heart, opening the gate of heaven. It's when you begin to worship and you begin to lift your hands. You're connecting to heaven. And now you're allowing the access 
to heaven into the house, and it's the glory that begins to come down. It's when we gather together on Saturday morning, and we begin to agree in prayer, and we begin to agree on earth, as touching any one thing, that God shows up, and he begins to manifest through us the gate of heaven. Amen? system was at the gate. It was where marriages were arranged. It's where Boaz went to, to, to speak to the near kinsman redeemer to get the hand of Ruth. It was where uh, the king would judge the people. If, if the prophet wanted to get the word out, he would go to the gate and he began to proclaim the, the words of God so that the city could hear. The law said that there was a rebellious son. They brought that son who was to submit to the laws of God and they would bring him to the city as a last ditch effort and when they got into the city it was the elders that picked up the stones that showed him Lord Reggie but Lord it's in there it's there in the city it's the city gate it's the place of governance it's where things took place see for you and I as I told you last week To, to the living God. And what the living God is looking for is access to earth. Access to earth. You see, that's where we come in as a bigger part of this family. It's not just about my four members. It's not just about my personal budget. It's not just about how well I feel in the moment and whether I'm at the see how that the Lord is trying to set us up so that we know 
what it is that we are about and what we're supposed to be about. Elisha, stay. Elisha, stay here at Bethel until you get the lesson learned. That you know that you're not only access, but you're also part of the governance of the kingdom of God. And that you will, you, you're not ready to go to Jericho until you understand that you're the dwelling place of the Lord. And that you are the access of heaven to earth. No, I got it. I'm going where you're going. Let's go to Jericho. So they show up at Jericho. How are they going to infiltrate that walled city? They've been preparing for 40 years. They knew Israel would one day come into their place of, of business. They knew that Israel was going to cross over because of what happened in Egypt. And it was fresh upon the lips of the, not just the generation that heard the original story, but let me tell you, the gospel was being preached to, to the next generation. There's going to be a nation that comes in, and they're so strong that they overthrew that, that, that nation of Egypt. They're going to come into this place. Because their God is going to overtake our city. They got ready for it. They built up. The walls were already there. How are we going to infiltrate this city? What is our strategy, Lord? What do you want us to do? Do you need us to get bulldozers? Do you want us to get some tomahawk missiles? Do you want us to, uh, to get some catapults uh, and, and, and fling some, some fiery balls over into the city? Lord, how are we going to penetrate these impenetrable walls? Well, this is the strategy, Joshua. And this is the lesson you've been learning the last few days. We're going to march around that city one time for six months. One time around, we're And they called that the well of the oath. 
Now that word, when you swear a covenant and you make an oath, is the same word as so closely related, they use it as the same word in the Hebrew language as the number seven. So their expression, when you swear something, what you're doing is you're sevening yourself. Because seven is the number of completion, and they say this promise is going to come about, and we're going to bring surety to this promise, and the sign that we're going to use is where you're going to lay out seven sacrifices, and the seven sacrifices are representative that we will keep our oath to this covenant.
Lord, open heaven, Lord God, in this house. Open, Lord God, the gate of heaven in this place. Lord, that our children and our children's children may know that, Lord God, you are Lord and Savior and King of all. Lord, I pray, Father God, us, Lord, for the health, the wealth, and the well-being of every person in here. And that, Lord God, those that are living with, Lord, terrorizing, uh, tormenting thoughts, Lord God, of fear. Lord God, the enemy has bombarded. Lord, there's someone in their heart right now. They're saying that this is not for them, it's for somebody else, that they're not worthy to receive. I rebuke that lying spirit right now. And in the name of Jesus, I say you are worthy. You are valid. You are needed in the body of Christ. God died for you. Come and receive him right now. Accept him right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we thank you, Lord, tonight for your mercy and grace. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You are the gate of heaven. Do you believe it? You're the gate of heaven. Amen. Our usher is going to be at the back to receive our missions offering tonight. I want us to pray once again for the Bobbins. Gerald and Jane Dollar, they are missionaries in Ukraine. Gerald is still in Ukraine. Uh, Jane is now in Poland. She's got a family there. 